For the most part, mainstream audiences judge a film by its plot. Yet there is so much more to a film than its twists, turns and complications that bring us from the inciting incident through to the final denouement. If you measure a film solely by its plot, you invariably end up talking about structure. And when it comes to writing screenplays, structure is everything. That's not my opinion, but that of the multi-Oscar winner, William Goldwyn. I don't wish to quibble with one of the most gifted screenwriters ever to have graced Hollywood studios, but ask yourself this. When was the last time you left a cinema and overheard an audience member remark, wow, that film had great structure? Exactly. So if it's not plot or structure, what is a film's secret sauce? The other option appears to be character. After all, how often have we been told that a script is either plot or character driven? But no matter which of those positions you back, I contend one thing stands behind both which is yet more important. Emotion. When people praise a film, their enthusiasm most often begins with, wow, that was so exciting, or funny, or sad, or scary. Emotions fuel every plot. Plot is what happens in a film, but what is nowhere near as important as how and why. It is the how and the why that provides the emotional intensity. If the characters aren't emoting, they don't do anything. If they don't do anything, nothing happens. And remember, plot is what happens. In the wake of her husband's suicide, a woman takes over the family newspaper only to receive explosive information that successive US governments have been lying to the country about the war in Vietnam. She feels compelled to publish, but knows that to do so would not only contravene the law, but might also put her newspaper out of business. That's the way things worked. Politicians and the press, they trusted each other so they could go to the same dinner party and drink cocktails and tell jokes while there was a war raging in Vietnam. I don't know what we're talking about. I, I'm not protecting Lyndon. Oh, no, you got his former Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, the man who commissioned this study. He's I'm one of about a dozen party him. guests I'm not out on your any of them. I'm protecting the paper. Having lost his wife and children in a terrifying attack, a young father becomes overprotective of his sole surviving son. But the infant vanishes on his very first day of school. Desperate, the father sets out in search of him, befriending along the way a blue tankfish who suffers from short-term memory loss. Short-term memory loss. I don't believe this. No, it's true. I forget things almost instantly. It runs in my family. Well, I mean, at least I think it does. Um, hmm. Where are they? A successful accountant is wrongly accused of murdering his wife and her lover. Serving a double life sentence, he befriends a fellow inmate who gives him a small rock hammer. Over the next 20 years, he digs his way out of prison, leaving a trail for his friend to follow. Oh, Andy loved geology. I imagine it appealed to his meticulous nature. An ice age here, million years of mountain building there. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. Pressure and time. That and a big goddamn poster. Stranded on a beach in northern France, 300,000 British soldiers desperately try to escape the advancing Nazi army. How long does London expect the army to hold out before we make terms? Make terms? They're not stopping here. We need to get our army back. Britain's next, and then the rest of the world. You can practically see it from here. What? Home. When we dig beneath the surface of those great films, we find the plots are remarkably similar. What makes them so great are the characters' emotional journeys. One way or another, 
they are all hemmed in, their dreams thwarted and their escape routes cut off. Which might make you say, I've heard all those cliches already. But as the Hungarian theorist Lajos Igri said, for drama to function it needs to hold familiar elements. Standard incidents, common threads, recognisable conflicts, established complications, traditional structures and even time-honoured themes. But for me, plot only really functions the first time we see a film. And sometimes it doesn't even function the first time. I mean, how often have you remarked to friends that a given film's plot was full of holes? So, upon repeated viewings, far from being the most important element, plot fades until it is little more than a mesh screen, masking the emotional spaces in which the characters live. These are the rooms of joy, sadness, shame, envy, hate, love, disgust, anger, fear, hope, expectation and surprise. More than just emotional spaces, as the characters move through those spaces, they serve as transitions that propel the plot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? In fact, it is Speed's emotional underpinning that makes its preposterous plot not only plausible, but profound. Speed is not really about a bomb on a bus. It is about one of Ernest Hemingway's favourite themes, grace under pressure. What grips us is whether Jack and Annie will be able to somehow keep their fear under control in order to overcome the crisis. Now, how about this picture? Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo was recently voted by the BFI as the greatest film ever made. But examine the plot and you will see it hinges on so many absurd contrivances it beggars belief that anyone, least of all the master of suspense, could be convinced by it. Detective Scotty Ferguson quits the police force because of a fatal accident in which he was involved has resulted in his suffering from acrophobia. A while later, he is recruited by an old college friend, Gavin Esler, to follow Esler's wife, Madeline. Why? Esler fears for her sanity. He suspects Madeline is possessed by the spirit of her great-grandmother, Carlotta Valdez. As if that were not absurd enough, what has Elster really spooked is that Carlotta died by suicide, and he fears that Madeline will succumb to the same fate. But wait, there is yet more incredulity to come. Scotty agrees to take the assignment, follows Madeline, and falls in love with her. But now it appears that Madeline just might be possessed by the spirit of Carlotta, because she refers to a church tower that is in the very same mission where Carlotta grew up all those years ago. And now the coincidence. Scotty brings Madeline to that very mission where she now races up the stairs to leap to her death. And just at that very moment when Madeline needs Scotty the most, his acrophobia takes hold and he cannot follow her up the stairs. So he can only watch in agony as Madeline throws herself from the tower. But now things really get ridiculous because it turns out Madeline didn't die. Because Madeline wasn't Madeline at all. She was really Julie Barton, who was hired by Elster to impersonate Madeline because Elster wanted to do away with his own wife. So I ask you, how and why does the audience go along with such a cockeyed plot? Because there was sufficient motivation from the characters to behave the way they behave. When Elster first asks for Scotty's help, he refuses. But when Elster expresses his deep anxiety about his wife, Scotty is sufficiently moved to take the assignment. And in taking the assignment, 
We identify Scotty's need to re-motivate himself after early retirement, as well as his need to redeem himself. After that, we feel his attraction to Madeline. Just as we feel Madeline's fear that she is possessed by Carlotta. And finally, we feel the same outrage Scotty feels when he discovers he's been duped. You see, it's all about feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Depending on who you choose to believe, there are only a limited number of plots. None of them are new and they've been handed down in various forms over thousands of years. According to screenwriter Wycliffe Aver Bill, there are over 37 basic narrative designs. Bill's theory is interesting and not only because he worked in the silent era. In 1919, he published what he termed a manual he curiously titled 10 Million Photoplay Plots. A bit of an exaggeration. Nonetheless, Bill began his book. On this and the following pages will be found a complete list of 37 dramatic situations and their subclasses which have appeared in fiction and drama. Accompanying many of those subclasses are concrete illustrations of their applications, as well as suggestions for other variations. Among Bill's list were such premises as love's obstacles, loving an enemy, rivalry among equals, rivalry between kinsmen, possessed of an ambition, vengeance, adultery and remorse. Now, let's examine this. Love is an emotion, as is remorse, and adultery and vengeance are desires. So it appears to me that Bill was unwittingly writing about More recently, in 2004, Christopher Booker published The Seven Basic Plots, in which he states the claim that his list serves as the foundation for every kind of story. Beyond Booker's seven plots, everything else is a cocktail of that septet. And again, each plot on Booker's list originated in antiquity and involved monsters, great fortunes, voyages, quests, rebirths, comedy and tragedy. Hmm, those last two revolve around emotions. Happiness and joy for comedy, and sadness and despair for tragedy. So it appears to me that Booker, like Bill, was unwittingly writing about emotions. Several years ago, MIT published a study in which they claimed there were six basic plots. Or to be more accurate, the research defined a plot as an emotional arc that generates an emotional response in the viewer. MIT described these six as 1. Fall, rise, fall. 2. Rise, fall. 3. Fall, rise. 4. Steadily fall. 5. Steadily rise. 6. Rise, fall, rise. Such movements remind me of another art form, one I will come to in a minute. But for now, let us see if anyone has reduced all plots to yet a smaller number. According to one theory, one so ubiquitous it is not attributed to any one theorist, there really are only two stories. The protagonist goes on a journey, or a stranger comes to town. But even those two plots can be reduced to the one similar premise, a fish out of water. Which leads us to the archetypal myth as theorised by Joseph Campbell, who argued that there is really only one plot, which he incongruously called the hero with a thousand faces. Campbell's is a highly flexible format, which, in fact, announces that it is not so much plot variation that anchors any given story, but rather a single unifying character, the hero. Which in turn suggests the plot is not as important as character. And what is character but behaviour? And what motivates behaviour? Emotion. No, plot is a distraction, just like Hitchcock's MacGuffin. We think it is about the uranium, the microfilm, the 39 steps, but really it's not. 
Ian Forster, author of such celebrated novels as Howard's End, A Room with a View and A Passage to India, suggested that there is a difference between plot and story, and it is one of motivation. Forster's example of a story is The King Died and The Queen Died. A plot is when the king died and the queen died of grief. In other words, a plot occurs when one action provokes a reaction. If you get your emotions in order, your characters and plot will flow. Let's hear what two-time Oscar winner Andrew Stanton, writer and director of A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo and Wally, had to say when in 2012 he addressed TED Talks. We all love stories. We're born for them. Stories affirm who we are. We all want affirmations that our lives have meaning. And nothing does a greater affirmation than when we connect through stories. It can cross the barriers of time, past, present, and future, and allow us to experience the similarities between ourselves and through others, real and imagined. The children's television host, Mr. Rogers, always carried in his wallet a quote from a social worker that said, frankly, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. And the way I like to interpret that is probably the most greatest story commandment, which is make me care. Please, emotionally, intellectually, aesthetically, just make me care. Okay, let's get back to the MIT study and the rise and fall structures. I said it reminded me of another art form, music. I contend that plot is to cinema what rhythm is to music. Rhythm is how we are moved from one point in the melody to another. And melody is to music what emotion is to cinema. We have established that there are an extremely limited number of plots. Likewise in music, there are a strictly limited number of rhythms. In music, rhythm is a measurement of time, and there are only two types of rhythm in the art form, regular and irregular. Regular rhythm gives us the classical 2, 3 and 4, 4 time, 6, 8 time, and 3-2 time. A regular rhythm gives us, well, none of the above. But the melody is what accesses our emotions. Music gives us two keys, major and minor. Major is the happy one, and minor the tragic. Listen carefully to all the great screenwriting gurus, Pilar Alessandra, Michael Haig, John Truby, Linda Aronson, Carl Iglesias, and you will hear that drama is about emotional transitions because without transitions, the characters have nowhere to go. A film that doesn't go anywhere has no plot, and the screen then becomes a monochromatic canvas where the emotional tone is the same all over. But with emotional transitions, you have an ever-moving crystal through which light is refracting into different colours. We watch movies, read books, listen to music for the very same reason. To feel something. Emotion is the single biggest organising device a storyteller has. It is the greatest of all special effects. One character feels X, another feels Y, and the difference between them is the conflict. Conflict is plot. It's why we call them emotion pictures. The Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, Frozen, Eight and a Half, Brokeback Mountain, In the Mood for Love, Twelve Years a Slave, The Lives of Others, The Handmaid's Tale, All About My Mother, when Harry met Sally, blue is the warmest colour, Schindler's List, Pan's Labyrinth, Mad Max Fury Road, City of God, Sex Eyes and Videotape, Festive, Sex.